0: This book is a collection of essays and three of the key contributors to this book are are here on the show, four of the contributors with three of the essays. And I just want to say, because I dedicate this book, I just, to the brave pioneers, such as, and I'll name some people that aren't here anymore, Bud Hopkins, John Mack, Whitley Strieber, Linda Moulton Howe, and doctors J.J. and Desiree Hertog, and many, many more who have devoted a lifetime of investigations to exploring the edge of the unknown. They are the giants whose shoulders I stood upon in order to give myself and the rest of humanity a deeper peek into forever. And I especially wanna mention the friendship and collaborations of the Hertogs whose journeys into the awakening of consciousness have been enduring. So that's my tribute. And that's my inspiration. And all the people we're seeing here have contributed to an education of what making contact is about and how, as Linda just said, a few minutes ago, when I was talking to her, we are at the threshold of a new time of a new reality of of an awakening of a planetary consciousness. So I want this discussion to be sort of about what Whitley and Linda and also the her have talked about, but specifically what Colonel Jay Corso said to Lit, Linda and Whitley. And I'll just add my title, making contact. And then the, what <laughs> Colonel Corso said, it's a new world if we can take it. That's the essence of making contact. So Whitley, do you want to jump in and, and talk about what you think Colonel Corso meant, because this is what I think this audience watching us, 500 people registered, what is this new world? How do we start making contact? And what is the essence of the threshold that we are at the doorstep of? So Whitley.
1: Well, I when I was with Colonel Corso, he told this story. He said that he had ended up in a situation where he was I believe he said he was in a cave and he probably told the same story to Linda. So if I've got Mm -hmm. it wrong, she can correct me. And, uh, he was, uh, asked by, uh, an alien or, or or whatever they are. I'm still not absolutely sure what they are. Uh, if they would turn off the radars, this was at White Sands for, 15 minutes in order to let them leave. Right. And yeah, that is what he said. Okay. Uh, And he said, well, in my business, 15 minutes can be a very long time. What's in it for us? The answer was a new world if you can take it. Right. And that is to me, there have been lots of questions about Colonel Corso and his what he said and so forth. Was it true? Was it not? It, I would just think that that statement is entirely true because it is so true to life. The statement means a new world, if you can bear it, a new world, if you can take it in your own hands. A new world, if you can wrest it out of our hands, this is work for you. It's a challenge. It's saying nothing is going to be handed to you on a platter. You either take it or you don't. Sink or swim. Hello to the universe, as it really is. I laid out my thoughts about it in my book, A New World, uh, right which uh, is of course the title is taken from Colonel Corso's statement and it is dedicated to Colonel Corso. And um, and I want to say the
0: chapter in my book is a, is an excerpt from A New World that Whitley's contribution. So yes, go ahead. Yeah.
1: So um, I think that the situation we are in is very complex and ambiguous and also very unsure. And in other words, we don't have all the facts, uh, and it's extremely important to be very, very careful about not drawing conclusions that we can't support with certainty. And But here's what I know from my life and from what has become a long life with the visitors and also a considerable amount of study and research in particular in the close encounter phenomenon, what happened between sometime in the 60s and into the late 90s and early 2000s, more sporadically after about 1995, were these abductions. They're not often reported now, it's very, they are reported, we do get reports and others get reports too, but not frequently not like it used to be and in the 70s apparently it was just going absolutely very intensely in early 80s because Ann and I got hundreds of thousands of letters with detailed descriptions but what were the people describing first they were describing a lot of very high strangeness events on the physical level they were describing what happened to us they were describing the removal of semen and eggs and fetuses and that happened we had all three things happen to us as well and why would you do that you would do that because it gets back to what linda said that somebody is attempting to hybridize this species right. apparently or they are making a sort of seed bank i'm not sure however I'm not so sure about the success of the hybridization because back in 1995 or six, a very strange man became began living in our, behind our house in upstate New York in the woods. He was extremely, he was short at first. When I first saw him, I thought he was a little boy. And I went up to warn him about smoking near these pitch pines, which are very flammable trees in, in the woods behind our house. And when I got close to him, it was obvious that it wasn't a little boy that I was dealing with something much stranger. And because he looked more like uh, someone who had re- reached about the age of 11 in terms of his physical maturity and stopped maturing, but, not, but continued to get older. And it was a very odd, It was, he was really, it was very odd, like somebody, a child who had aged without maturing. Uh, So I, it frightened me, frankly, and he made a sound that was rather ominous. And I went back to the cabin and after that, we realized that he, he was actually smoked all the time. And when the air was still, you would smell it in the house and it was awful. Then we left the cabin, we were forced to leave because we ran out of money. And uh, we uh, went to Texas and I just, I'm in Texas now. And just yesterday I drove past the apartment where little condo where we lived. And I looked at it and looked at the, the little cul-de-sac where he had stood in the night and he would stand there and I could feel him coming into my mind and i had put lights up uh, motion sensitive lights up and he couldn't handle that and he left eventually but he was a very disturbed and individual in trouble he was like he he had a very very schizophrenic affect to him and he was with these two men who were the most bizarre people mm-hmm. i've ever encountered uh, they were they were absolutely terrifying they exuded a sense of evil mm-hmm. and i have to tell you if that's what we're looking forward to watch out well because yeah. that could but, have but, been a
0: bad batch of the hybrids right I well
1: mean- why did they leave him in my backyard then oh, uh, my <laughs> i in any case uh it changed slowly over the years and as i became more and more dedicated to the pursuit of the good, to the pursuit of love, compassion, and humility in my own life and unpacking my life as best I could in great detail to find where I could further those things, those three things. My relationship with this also changed. And now it is, I would say, beautiful and incredibly productive so there's been an arc and I I think that that uh, that is an arc that this species that mankind can follow but we can't do it if we start out shooting Mm -hmm. I mean you know we got cowboys out there with six guns and they've been shooting for a long time Linda knows a lot about the air force (laughs) and its problems and over the course of the summer, going to be a lot of, there's gonna be a lot of stuff released. Yeah. If it, it's largely going to become from, come from the Navy and from uh, perhaps some of the alphabet agencies, but, but it's not going to come from the Air Force as far as I know now. They, are, they, they don't intend to release anything even though they are be, being, they're under a legal compulsion. I don't think they really care and the reason is that they only have bad news. They've been fighting these things for years and haven't gotten anywhere with it. They can't control it at all. Their job is to control, to, to, to protect us from threats from above. And they can't do it. And they keep it secret. I've had, well, I've got, let me do this. The best thing I can do, I, I've opened my phone here and I've got a poem that I wrote after I was kissed in the night by someone. And I don't know who, it, whether it could have been one of the visitors or it could have been one of our dead who play a huge role in this. And we, we can forget the veil between the living and the dead or the idea that the dead aren't there, they are. And the veil will drop for us when the greys come closer to us or any of them because none of them live with that veil. Uh, that's not existent in their worlds and it's gonna disappear in our world too. So here's the poem, Somebody Kissed Me. Deep last night, somebody kissed me. I am an old man and I live alone, but somebody kissed me. I'm not very pretty and was never very pretty, but they kissed me long. I wondered at their breath, soft, cool and sweet as death. There was nobody here but me, there never is. But somebody kissed me. They kissed me long. The breath so soft, the lips so warm. I reached up into the air and found nobody there. But still they kissed me and kissed me long. An owl murmured, the leaves rustled, the curtains blew. The night left me behind and the kiss did too. I threw back the sheet and wondered what to do. I don't belong to the sunlight and the day. I'm an old man and belong to the night. And that kiss, I belong to that kiss too. So that's my world now. You know, and this is a very, very complex situation. I'm not so sure that, that, that I think that there are going to be elements of it that are very strange, some that are gonna be very aggressive and that, that are uh, over time that we're not going to, to want, want around us and that we may be helpless to prevent. But at the same time, if my life is, is, is any example of what this might be like over time, it, eventually, it comes out into uh, it, it. It turns into something that you can really use in your own journey, because my God, you can't imagine the amount of information I've gotten. I put as much of it as I could in my books, but you know, the veil between the living and the dead broke down as soon as Anne passed on, and sh- we we started working together, and we still work together to this day it's you know she's not physically present but she is certainly very much a part of my life experience and my work the with the book we just finished jesus a new vision is it's her it's her new vision in my writing <laughs> and it you know it's extraordinary that this is a new way of living well now it, just let me let me finish just yeah, a yeah. second alan yep, sure. the other side of this coin though is all of that battles and shooting that have gone on in this world between, I think, largely the U.S. Air Force and someone out there who's perfectly willing to shoot back. Uh, and and uh, that's a level of it that's there. It's there. And we can't ignore it. And we can't ignore the fact that the abductions and other things that happened along those lines were not gently done. I mean, I was treated very violently, like an animal might, we might treat an animal. And you have to really reflect on that, that whatever is here is not necessarily going to be easy for us to deal with. But will it be worth it to find this new world? I think so. I think it definitely will. And I don't think if we don't get a handle on this and find it, I don't think this species has much of a chance of surviving.
2: I agree completely. That is the message that comes whether I'm dealing with military, whether I'm dealing with intel, whether I'm dealing with experiencers, whether I'm dealing with scientists, Uh, I know somebody who's working in a really, really outstanding university and we've been able to communicate privately and they are absolutely dealing with the hybrid question and it comes up all the time. Are we at an intersection in which, depending upon what the, well, well, let's take it to the quantum fields of the human souls. Can the human souls push pressure get humanity to move into where we can have dialogue with each other about souls and interactions with the universe because if we can't then i think that the hybrids are waiting in the wing Mm. but that the but that some non-humans do not want this to happen they have some vested interest in us being able to evolve. And that was the message in my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume Two, in which I had six people who had had the experiences with what they jokingly called the resurrection technology, but it's very serious and it's used all the time. And that is where you take cells and they can do a full blown adult in tubes that are sustained by light. And that they came away, the, all of the, uh, the humans came away from their experiences with this as the bottom line. Your soul must be in a certain container for a certain length of time. And that in this difficult human world, that they are always having To interfere to the extent that they must make some of these soul transfers into clone bodies in order to match some other bigger request or order that the souls are the reason we are here. The souls in the human evolving lives are what are important. And once you start looking at every single entity, whether they're reptilian, gray, Nordic, orange, blue, and beyond, then suddenly that bones, the implicate order, that's the whole fabric that we're playing on. That's the important part.